You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert, Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. This episode is inspired by a true milestone and an event that I attended last night, which was my oldest son, Jordan's high school graduation. And it was kind of a surreal experience because I feel like I just graduated myself, you know, but then I really absorbed the the experience and just so grateful for him and, and his story and what he's been through and, and what he's been able to accomplish thus far. And his vision for the future is just super inspiring to see. And today I really wanted to help you to connect with something that is just going to be able to take your life to another level if you really embrace this today. And it's embracing your story because he's actually graduating from the high school that I went to, that I graduated from, and my story was radically different. And we do tend to carry on a lineage and we tend to pass on our struggles and our progresses to our children. And so there were many things that I had to address in order to get him to this place that he had to be because a little snapshot of what's to come in today's episode, my story was I almost didn't graduate because of some drama, because of some uh, disempowering stories that I was carrying about myself and my reality. And I fortunately did graduate with my class and it wasn't due to academics, all right? And I graduated in three years of high school. And you might hear them be like, well, that sounds cool. Like Sean was on some Doogie Howser MD, like just getting through school. It wasn't like that, all right? And what resulted from that experience was something I still didn't address. I still was coming up against opposition, self-imposed limits in my success. And this is the truth is that Everything that you are capable of achieving is right there in front of you. Every single one of us has the potential to achieve massive success in every area of our lives. But the only thing stopping us is our limiting beliefs about ourselves. And so this is the most important factor to address because I want you from this day forward to understand that the pen is in your hand and writing your story. And I want you to start to write it consciously from this day forward because I used to be embarrassed about my story. I used to be embarrassed about struggling uh, with high school. I used to be embarrassed about my experience with my health and, and failing in my health. And I didn't want to tell people because I was just, I was in fear that I would be judged. And it really broke through one day when I realized that this is what connects us. Our stories are the things that connect us because we've all been through stuff and we have more stuff to come. And so the more that we can become aware that it's, it's our limiting beliefs that are holding us back. And the more that we have tactics, specific things that we can do to break through those things that present themselves, the more capable and powerful we're going to be moving forward. And so today, if you are in need of a breakthrough, this is for you. If you've already had some breakthroughs in your life and you just want to keep going, you want to sustain that success, this is for you. All right, so I think you're going to get a lot of value out of this episode, and I can't wait to share this with you because I'm going to be sharing some insights from my experience and uh, through the years being able to go from where I came from to impacting the lives of thousands of people directly, you know, in my practice and events, and then millions of people at this point, which is kind of weird and crazy to be able to say, just like my son graduated, um, because of breaking through these limiting beliefs. All right, so uh, really excited about that. And speaking of story. What a great story when you learn about 
Aubrey Marcus, right? He's a CEO of Onnit, and to see what they've been able to achieve. And his whole thing was human optimization, right? And he wanted to have a company that in, in integrated fitness, nutrition, and personal development into one brand and providing products for uh, the, the population at large to be able to take advantage of that had this huge ethical control and huge personal development driven faculty behind it. And this was the birthing of On It. And his flagship product, Alpha Brain, is just like taking over. It's out there, all kinds of different, even like mom and pop stops here or there because it's really taking a more holistic and using earth grow nutrients to hit on that same front that these fake crazy energy drinks and all this stuff that people are trying to take, you know, these different nootropics that can be beneficial. There are many that are beneficial, but doing it from earth grow nutrients and they've run clinical trials. So what's been found in double blind placebo controlled studies that alpha brain does in fact help to improve your working memory, specifically verbal recall. What? That is incredibly powerful. It's just really tapping into those channels in our own brains, but not some kind of weird stimulant or not some kind of a, you know, um, artificial means of doing that. And so Alpha Brain is incredible. So if you've yet to try that out, definitely check that out. But for me, I'm a huge fan of their MCT oil. And MCTs are well noted, especially with keto being so popular today. Taking these medium chain triglycerides does help your body to create, directly create ketones, which can potentially increase your metabolic rate directly in and of itself, reduce inflammation, all that good stuff. Now, Something else really fascinating is the impact that MCTs have on your brain because MCTs are able to cross that blood-brain barrier and to feed your brain cells. And so this was published in the annals of the New York Academy of Sciences found that MCTs can provide energy to weakened, damaged brain cells to help them to live longer. That's so remarkable, so remarkable. Literally brain food supporting the longevity of our brain cells. And if you know anything about the brain and some of the things we talked about in past episodes, our brains, we have certain areas of our brains that continue to have this plasticity and neurogenesis, like the hippocampus, for example, uh, has a capacity. But there's a lot of areas of our brains that don't have that same level of cell replication. And in many experts think that a lot of the brain cells that you have now, as you lose them, that's kind of all you get. You know, we do have some kind of bounce back, but for the most part, these are very important cells that we need to take care of. And so MCT oil is another channel to do that. They have the uh, kind of the classic MCT oil, which is like a clear fluid. Then they have the emulsified. This is where they're making it into like a coffee creamer, basically. And uh, I'm a huge fan of the emulsified MCT oil because it's super easy to mix into coffee and teas and things like that. And it tastes amazing. They have strawberry flavor. They have a almond latte flavor. That's my favorite one. Vanilla, coconut, definitely check them out. Check out their Alpha Brain. Check out the MCT oil. I think you'll absolutely love it. And again, double-blind placebo-controlled studies funded to really affirm the benefits that Onnit's products are carrying. So check them out. It's onnit.com forward slash model. That's O-N-N-I-T.com forward slash model. And you get 10% off every single thing they carry. Fitness equipment, uh, the nutritional products, the foods, 
everything. All right, pop over there, check them out, onit.com forward slash model. And now let's get to the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled, Thank You, Sean Stevenson, by Will and Jess. I've been listening to the Model Health Show for over two years now and can definitely say it has changed my life. I'm applying what I learned from each podcast, growing steadily towards my health goals. But the real reason I'm writing this review is to tell you thank you. I was introduced to you through the Secret to Success podcast, and I am part of the Breathe University. The way you do your podcast is fantastic. Everything said is well thought out, funny, relatable, and compassionate. Your guest speakers are unmatched and continue to inform us of the necessary information to move in the right direction for our health. We love Love you all for that. Someday in the podcast Hall of Fame will be your picture, Sean. Here is the Model Health Show, how all podcasts attempt to compete with greatest podcast of all time. The bar has been set very high. May we all strive to reach its success. God bless. Wow, that is one of the greatest compliments that I've ever received. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that over on Apple Podcasts. And listen, everybody, if you've yet to do so, please pop over to Apple Podcasts, leave a review for the show, let everybody know what you think about the podcast and just whatever platform you're listening on. If you can leave a review, leave a comment below the video and let everybody know what you think of the show. All right, I appreciate it so very much. And on that note, let's get to our topic of the day. Today, we're talking about embracing our story and breaking through our limiting beliefs. And as I shared at the top of the show, uh, just going through the patterns that I was experiencing in my life, the thing that was holding me back unknowingly, this was like an invisible force, was my story. These stories that I was buying into about my life, about what was possible for me. And of course, seeing the feedback in my environment. But going through this process and consciously starting to change my story, to write my story, to change my beliefs, and enabled me to completely change my life. And the person that I once was, I am no longer today. I do have you know, those, those memories there of the, the life I once experienced. And we use those things because the thing is, it's all still there. It's all still a part of us, but we can use those experiences to then be able to pay it forward and help others with it. And my first question for you is, have you seen the movie, The Karate Kid? Right, I'm talking about the original, all right? No disrespect to, to Jaden and, you know, Jackie Chan. I love those guys, all right? But the original, Daniel LaRusso, Mr. Miyagi, right? And this was a truly defining moment in my life watching that movie when I was a kid. Uh, we were all at my grandmother's house, gathered around the, the VCR. If you even remember what the VCR is, we gathered around watching the VCR. And uh, somebody, maybe it was my, my grandfather or my uncle, went out into the wilderness to get the VHS tape because that's what it was really like back then. Right. You go to Blockbuster. It was a hunt. Right. You go in there with the intention, you know, and if you got a family, it's like everybody, you pick one movie, you get three or four movies and then you trek back to your to your house. And first of all, who had time to watch four movies? I don't. How? OK. But anyways, as I digress and then, you know, especially a new release movie, you're standing there by the door. Right. Looking at the return box. Hey, did you get such and such in? Right. So it was the thrill of the hunt. But anyway, so they brought the movie back and we all gathered around to watch it. And this was a truly defining moment in my life. And emotionally for me, I was very invested in it because I felt like I was Daniel LaRusso. I felt like I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to stand up to the bad guy, 
right? I wanted to win. I wanted to stand for something. And I just really felt that energy. And of course, afterwards, I'm like doing a crane kick everywhere. I, I might have kicked my cousin on accident, but I was crane kicking. I don't know if you watched it and did the crane kick too, but um, I was just very inspired. And shortly thereafter, I moved in with my mom. And this was, you know, going from a suburban neighborhood, living with my grandmother to the inner city with my mom. And it was a real culture shock for me. And I was just begging my mom to give me karate lessons. All right, I wanted to, I wanted to do the thing, right? And I begged her. And then what ended up happening, you know, because of lack of funding, we'll put it like that, uh, instead of taking me to like a, because you know, when she said, okay, we're going to get you the karate lessons, I thought we was going to a dojo, right? I thought I was going to get the, 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 the jump off the belt, all of that. We ended up in like a, a friend of hers, friend's husband's basement. All right. It's some random place. Like it was, it was like a one of those houses that has a gate on the door. All right. We ended up going to his basement and he had like some uh, it was an unfinished basement. And he had a, like a picture of Bruce Lee up and like a couple of mats, like around some pillars in the basement. And we were just doing punches in the basement next to the washing machine. Right. Taekwondo punch or whatever. And I'm just still going with him. Like, OK, I, I was thinking I was going to get. Mr. Miyagi, I got Dragonfly Jones, but it's all good. He's good. He's good at what he does, I guess. But even then, we couldn't even afford my man Dragonfly Jones to uh, to be able to help me uh, with my endeavors in, in getting into karate. But I just I wanted this outlet. I, I felt like I wanted to be able to protect myself because I was in a volatile environment, and I felt like I wanted to defend the the little guy and to and to be able to really stand up for good, but. The truth is that life really didn't end up being so so black and white. There are many shades of gray in between, and that's kind of where I fell in because when I talk about wanting to defend myself and stand up for the little guy, my mother taught me when I was very young that the world is not a kind place, and that was one of my initial stories. And this might be a story that you are carrying as well, and that's developing a level of fear in you that's controlling your actions, that's controlling what's happening with the ways your cells are communicating because they're constantly in fear of what might happen in fear of the world. I know that this was my case. And I was just four years old. I was in preschool. I was uh, just a little, little sweet little kid, you know, and I just wanted to be happy. I wanted to play with my cousins. And when I would go to stay with my mom, I would play with the kid next door. At the, it was, we were living in a four family flat that I literally drive by when I come to the studio every week, I drive by where the four family flat was, right, literally right by the highway. Like you could stand on this huge highway and throw a rock and hit the, hit the apartment building, but the apartment building is actually gone. It's been knocked down. Um, but going and, and playing over there with the kid next door, we would get into little scuffles, little kid scuffles like they do, you know, little boys, you know, getting into it. And so because it became an issue for our parents apparently, my mother, my own mother, and this child's mother decided, I'm gonna, we're gonna sit around, we're gonna have these two little boys fight each other. We're gonna pit them against each other face to face. They sat on the stoop of this four family flat. My mom on one side, his caretakers on the other side. I don't remember if it was his mother. And he was, a, you know, he's a bigger kid. I think he's in first grade. And so he's probably around six. And they made us fight. And I remember thinking consciously, I remember this so clearly. I don't want to be here. Why is this happening? I don't want to do this. 
But boom, they push, they push us together to fight. And this kid, he literally just pushes me one time and I go right into the corner of a brick wall and crack the back of my head and just blood is everywhere. And I'm rushed to the hospital. And I remember laying on the stretcher, being wheeled into the, the surgery room and just seeing the lights flashing over me as I'm going by. And I was just so irate. I was so upset. I was so mad. And I wasn't, I wasn't feeling like I was hurt. I wasn't feeling painful. I was mad because I lost because I was taught from an early age that if you lose, if you are fighting and somebody is, is, is hurting you and you don't hurt them back, when you get home, you're going to get hurt again. I'm, my, my parents teaching me that I'm going to hurt you if you don't get out there and defend yourself. That's the kind of environment that I'm raised in. And it was, in a strange way, well-intentioned because, you know, my mom was wanting me to be a strong man. My mom was wanting me to be a capable man, you know, to defend myself in a world that's not always kind. You know, I get that. The way that she went about it, obviously not healthy. Obviously not healthy. And I got the stitches. You know, I still have this huge scar on the back of my head even today. And... I said, I'm going to get him. When I was yelling and screaming and, you know, getting wheeled into the surgery room, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. And I did. You know, as soon as I got back um, to the neighborhood, he was out like digging a hole or something. And, you know, like kids do. And I, and I went over and I hit him with this big truck. And I remember feeling so proud of myself. Like that was courageous or admirable of me. And it wasn't. It wasn't. Neither of us should have been in that situation. Now, fast forward, that behavior of solving conflicts with violence stayed with me. And it was one of my main tools. Like I saw violence in my household and this was a tool that was used because nobody's going to punk you. Nobody's going to, um, nobody's going to make you feel like you are less than. You stand up for yourself and you fight. And so that was a major tool. And when I shared the top of the show, my son graduating, and uh, I got kicked out of, I got kicked out of middle school several times for fighting. And once I got to high school, I had already got suspended one or two times for fighting. And every time I justify it, my story is, you know, they, right? They are causing this. I don't want to fight, but they, right? And at the end of the day, still, I have responsible for my two hands. I have responsibility for what I'm doing in response to whatever's coming at me, right? Now, I'm not saying for people to put their hands on you, none of that stuff, but I was looking for a problem. I was looking for a reason, even though I didn't consciously, I was telling myself I don't want to fight. I was looking for a reason because I was operating from fear. I was operating out of this is the tool you use. And so this particular fight, uh, it was my junior year. I had been in school for maybe a month at the time. And... This kid had been, you know, giving me a hard time for several years, you know, at this point. And, you know, I kept on, you know, and, and it was just kind of sporadic, but I, you know, I just looked the other way. I was practicing that because I knew that it wasn't worth it. And so to the degree that in this junior, in my junior year, I was in student advisory. I was a scholar athlete. I was in a program, new program at the time, first year uh, in Rhodes, where I was going to get college credit for my uh, these classes I was going to be able to take at, you know, for St. Louis University here. 
And I was also selected, <laughs> which is crazy. This is life now. I was selected to be a teenage health consultant was the name of the organization. So I was a teenage health consultant. It was like four of us selected by, I think it was like by our teachers and, you know, faculty. And so we go to different classes and talk about health, which I knew nothing about. I just got out of class. That's it. And I enjoyed it. So I didn't get out of class and go do anything. And so, um, but ironically, you know, this is my life today. And so I had a lot on the line. Like things were looking great for me. Really, really great. But in one moment, when I felt threatened, I reacted with violence. And I ended up getting expelled from the school. All right. It, did, it was kind of like a big brawly situation that took place. And I was already in a situation where I'm being bussed out to the, quote, good school in the county, you know, the suburban school from the city. It's, it's called the, literally the desegregation program. <laughs> Deseg for short. And so just that, like this school wasn't trying to give me a shot. They didn't care about all of the good stuff that I had achieved and the person that I was. I was judged on that one action. But it wasn't just one action. It was my story that was just manifesting itself. That violence is the tool. When you are hit with oppression or you're hit with uh, difficulty, violence is one of your tools you go to, right? And so 180 days kicked out. Now, here's the worst part of the story. No one in my family, no one in my, you know, my uh, advisors had the wherewithal to withdraw me from my classes, right? Because I was, it was such a short amount of time that I was in school that year, I could have been withdrawn from my classes. And instead, I get a notice at the end of the semester, I, I got straight Fs on my transcript, straight Fs. And it took my GPA from whatever it was, 3.9, 3.8, whatever, to like 3.1 or something like that. What I don't remember the numbers exactly, but it was devastating, devastating for me. And the story really took a change when, you know, I really realized that I have the I have the potential here still because because I'd done so well pri prior to that I had a couple of extra credits and if I took some home correspond correspondence courses and if I went to a zero hour class my senior year which is going to school before school started I would get exactly the amount of credits that I needed to graduate with my class and so I did it I did everything that I could and I was there. You know, uh, very different from my son's experience, but my graduation, I was there and I just barely made it by the skin of my teeth. My senior year was not the senior year that somebody might envision, you know, being all this fun. I was working. I was, I was working and it was, um, an experience. It was quite an experience, but here's the thing. And that I, that I really want to communicate is that you would think that I would learn the lesson at that point. But the reality is this, life is only hard for two reasons, because you're leaving your comfort zone or because you're staying in it. And I was still in my comfort zone of, I'll, I'll get by, but still my modus operandi is to fight, is to fight back. And so I get into college. Fortunately, again, with my story, I was able to uh, get accepted to every college that I applied to, but I wanted to stay close uh, to town. And so I went to the school and the first year went by somewhat without a hitch, but second year I get kicked out of school for guess what? Fighting. Who 
gets kicked out of school from college for fighting. Just like grow up, right? And so it wasn't even a joke anymore. Now at this point, I'm really practically an adult. And so it's not just a fight. Like there's other like legalities involved. And <laughs> my good friend, Eric Thomas, Dr. Eric Thomas, E.T., the hip hop preacher has been on the show several times and just one of the best human beings that, that I've ever met. And he shares a story about it took him 12 years to get a four-year degree, something like that, maybe 10 years. But it took me about seven because I got kicked out of college. It was about two years. And then once I got back uh, accepted to another school, fortunately, um, this is when everything really changed. And this is really where uh, the, the writing of my story and how things were playing out, this is really the, this is the low point. And so again, there's two reasons that life is hard because you're leaving your comfort zone or because you're staying in it. And I feel that life is always whatever. If we, if we tell ourselves that we have these great goals and things we want to accomplish and we say we want these things, but we don't actually do anything about it. I believe that life is going to present us with trials and tribulations and situations that help us to cultivate the qualities, the character qualities that we need to achieve that thing that we say we want. That's what I believe. I hope that makes sense. And so I believe that I was going to be successful. I didn't have any example of success around me. And so life had to literally put me through the fire in order to become the type of person I needed to become to be successful. And it did that by taking away the one thing that I held in my highest regard as my advantage. It took away my health because all the while when I'm walking around these different campuses and different clubs and situations everywhere I'm at, I feel like I was a very capable, like an animal, like a predator. And I'm very capable walking around ready to handle myself. My health was stripped from me. I was diagnosed with the incurable spinal condition, so-called incurable spinal condition. And I go from being this capable predator to really feeling like prey, to feeling like I, I was nothing, like I, my identity was stripped from me. And so I'm hiding out, literally hiding out now in my cave. 20 years old, I get this diagnosis and I go in with this nuisance of a pain in my leg and that translates over into being chronic debilitating pain within the next few months because of my two herniated discs in my spine and this damage that was just really taking place with the communication between my brain and my body. And I was just breaking down inside, you know, basically um, uh, degenerative disc disease was a diagnosis, degenerative bone disease. So uh, this osteoarthritis really, because my bones were breaking down and I had actually broken my hip at track practice when I was 16 years old. I was already dying inside and breaking down and I had no rhyme or reason why this was happening to me. And neither did my physicians. That's what the story they were telling me. There's nothing we can do about this. My physician, my first physician told me, you have the spine of an 80 year old man. When I was just 20, and this is incurable. And he sent me on my way and said, you know, he gave me prescriptions and I eventually got fitted with a back brace. But he said, this is something, he literally said these words, this is something you're just going to have to live with. Our minds are so powerful because my story, what I was doing at the time was I was giving the pen to this 
well-meaning physician to write some of my story for me, right? You have to take back the pen. You have to take it back. Because the reality is he's not living my life. He's not living my story. Do you think he really has the very best ending to the story in mind if it's not his story? He's focused on his own story. And part of that is helping patients. But the one he was trying to write for me was not the ending that I wanted. But I accepted it at the time, right? That screenplay got turned in and I accepted it. And it took two years. It took two years, two long years of suffering, pain, weight gain. You know, at this point I gained about 40 pounds on my frame. And this just added more pressure to my spine. And I was just more making my tissues out of the same garbage that caused the problem in the first place. Because real talk, and this is something that changed everything for me, was really understanding the role that our nutrition played. But I didn't get that. It took two years, two, two long years. And it all came to a head after I saw uh, the, a fourth physician and he told me the same thing. He gave me the same bill of goods. There's nothing you could do about this. I'm sorry. Here's some medication. And at that point, because I had been trying to put my health, I was kept passing the pen around. Like maybe this guy can write my story. Maybe this guy can write my story. They can be great advisors. They can write a few jokes for me, but they can't write my story. It's my story. And so after this two years, I was sitting on the edge of my bed and you might know a little bit of my story, but it really just came rushing in that I had been giving my power away. And all these people were telling me that they can't do anything for me and that I can't get better. Why am I listening to them? It just hit me like, if they're saying I can't get better, but yet I keep going to these people to help get me better, I realized I didn't do anything myself. I didn't take responsibility for myself. This whole time, I've been putting the responsibility of my health off on other people. I didn't know a thing about what's going on with my own body. And it started from this two years ago. And this is why it's also important to get good counsel and to be aware of the person that you're listening to. Do not seek advice from somebody who doesn't have the thing that you, that you are wanting. It doesn't make any logical sense. My first doctor was clearly not healthy. Clearly. He had the whole like mirror thing on his, he had like the band with the mirror on it. Like uh, Bugs, like I really felt like I was in a Bugs Bunny cartoon, right? And I'm like, listen, doc, what can I do to get better, right? And I asked him, and listen, this is one of the most miracle moments of my life. Still to this day, I do not know how, where, why this came from. But I asked him, does this have anything to do with what I'm eating? And he looked me dead in my eyes and told me this has nothing to do with what you're eating. This is just something that happens. He told me this has nothing to do with what I'm eating. My bones, my disc in between the vertebrae and my spine are made of the food that I eat, right? Of course it matters. But at the time, I didn't have any, um, any sense of just, I guess it would just be really just basic logical thinking when it comes to matters of my health. And so I believed him. That was my story. It's called a nocebo effect. The opposite of a placebo, which placebo is giving you a, neg uh, a positive injunction that something good is going to happen, potentially, by taking this fake drug pill, sh uh, sugar pill, or sham surgery, or 
um, you know, an injectable of, of nothing but saline. And we see clinically 33% on average placebos working. So if you believe in a clinical trial, somebody believes they're taking a drug that's going to lower their blood pressure, but it's just a fake drug. On average, their blood pressure, 33% of the time, on average, across the board in placebo-controlled studies, we see people getting results just by believing they're taking something that's changing their body. A nocebo effect on the other side is giving somebody a negative injunction. You're never going to walk again. You've got six weeks to live. This is incurable and you believe it, and you proceed to have that take place. And that's what I was a victim of. But I was a willing victim. I was a willing victim. I didn't know it at the time, this nocebo effect. And so everything unraveled from there. Once I believed that there was nothing I could do about it, it gave the responsibility. It, it just took it away from me. But here's the thing, and this is just being real with you right now. There was a big part of me that didn't want it. And there's a big part of you as well, most likely that doesn't want it. It doesn't want the responsibility. It doesn't want the responsibility of doing all the stuff, doing the hard stuff, doing the work. There might be areas of your life that you, you are willing to do it. There's other areas that you're not. But you have to do it. You have to do the hard stuff. And you are built for it. You're equipped to do the hard stuff. And you're going to go through it anyways because the hard stuff is out of two things. Either... You are leaving your comfort zone or you're fighting to stay in it. Either way, you become, you become equipped at handling the hard stuff. Everything you've been through, you've made it. You're here right now. You're here. And so it just hit me that night that I've been giving my power away and I decided to get well. And so for my story and where everything took a change and where, you know, the low point starts to rise is me really realizing in that moment that I had been asking these really disempowering questions. Like, and I remember thinking about it, like, I was just like, why me? In my head all the time, why me? Why me? And your brain is driven. Literally, your brain is hardwired to answer questions. That's what your brain does 24 7, 365. It's wired up to answer questions. There's parts of our brain we now know reticular cortex, reticular activating system. They're just driven to seek out answers to the things you ask it. This is how uh, great, you know, uh, TV series get us, all right? We, we are driven to close loops, all right? We are driven to close loops. We have to know what happened. We have to get the questions answered that we have, right? Game of Thrones. This might be a sore spot for some people, okay? But... Uh, I just had this experience of like, I, I got to know what happens with Khaleesi, all right? Danny done burnt down the whole city, all right, because she got an attitude problem. What's going to happen? I got to know. So where am I going to be? I'm going to be there Sunday, 8 o'clock Central, getting the answer. I got to find out. Your brain is always doing this, okay? And I'm, I'm sorry if anybody's bitter about the last episode. I didn't write it. Somebody else's story. Okay, I could have advised, you know, but anyways, and so to wrap up this point, our brains are always seeking to answer the questions that we ask it, right? So questions truly are the answer. Questions are the answer. And when you're asking why me, I was looking for unconsciously, subconsciously scanning my environment 24-7 to find 
answers to affirm why me? Why am I the one stricken with this illness and this condition? And I'm seeking out answers to the question of uh, why won't somebody help me? Or why does it have to be so bad? Right? And I'm finding proof. I'm finding evidence to affirm the, the answer to that question. And it really boiled down to the way that I was living my life. I wasn't living as an honorable man that I saw myself to be, right? I was very, I wanted to be successful, but yet I was very self-centered. And I was self-centered and I could justify that because of the environment that I grew up in. It was a very volatile, dangerous situation, dangerous places that I was in and things that no kid should be exposed to. And so I, w- I withdrew, I went in, you know, and I became very uh, just self, self-conscious self and, and self-centered. And any, any realm of success and happiness and growth and, and relationship, I had to get away from being so self-focused and become more other-focused. But I didn't know that at the time. I was asking these disempowering questions. And so I literally started to flip these questions over on their head, right? And with that, questions start to arise like something simple. How can I make this better? It started with that. How can I make this better? How can I have more energy? What is it that I need to do to learn from the situation that I've been through already? What are my bones made of? Really practical questions like that that I'd never asked before. And again, when you ask the question, it begins that process. It knocks those dominoes down and starts the process of learning. And so what really came up for me, and this is huge, and I, and I want you to get this, is that I realized that my fighting since I was a child was really a metaphor for my life. And I had been fighting tooth and nail to keep my limitations. I'd been fighting to keep my limitations And so I want you to think about this for yourself in your own life. Where are you fighting to keep your limitations? Where are you fighting to keep this story that you've told yourself that you can't because, fill in the blank, I can't because I don't have the connections. I can't because I'm too old. I can't because I'm too young. I can't because I don't have kids. I I can't because I have kids. I can't because my husband told me so. I can't because my wife told me so. I can't because I don't have the support. I can't because I don't have the energy. I can't because... I don't have the, the, the health that I really need to be able to achieve what I want right now. I'm, I'm not what I, where I want to be yet, so I can't. You're never going to get there because of your story. The only way that you're going to get there is to, to begin to take steps in that direction and to change the story that you're telling yourself. And of course, we're going to go through some tangible ways to go about doing this, but that was the first step really for me. And, and I want you to think about this honestly. Where have you been fighting to keep your limitations? Where have you been fighting in your life to keep your limitations? Right? You might've thought that you was Daniel LaRusso doing the crane kick, but now it's just like, you're some weird dude who's out like picking fights. Okay. You're Cobra Kai right now. Okay. It's a YouTube series. I don't, I haven't seen it yet, but heard it's all right. And so for me and you know, I put an episode of the show where I really go through my physical transformation uh, for you in the show notes. But what I want you to get from today is that, to my surprise, changing my body was first ignited by changing my mind. And they really went together. 
They really were bonded to each other. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for life stripping me of my health. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, at the time it was a nightmare. It was literally the worst thing that ever happened to me, but it gave me the opportunity to become the man that I was born to be. And I began having the opportunity to say yes to the things that continued to lift me up and to consciously proactively change my story. But I had to realize that I had the power to change my story because I've been told by my environment that I didn't have the power. I didn't have the power. And so because I'd never seen anybody in my family graduate from college, I was doing everything I could to self-sabotage that. And so once I transformed my health and uh, just a short version of that is after I made that decision to get well and changing the questions that I was asking and starting to consciously write my story, changing the way that I was eating, changing the way that I was having my movement practices and my sleep, my body transformed. And about six weeks later, I had lost almost 20 pounds. And this is not typical. This is not typical. Um, you know, in my family, I was like the skinny kid in my family, but my fat gene got flipped on big time. And so, but the weight, once I started doing the things that my genes really expected me to do, it just flew off of me. And I became on fire to help other people to experience what I was experiencing. All the things I was learning, I was just, I was really, there's a phase I went through where I was upset. I was angry that people didn't know this stuff. We're being told all these disempowering things about our, our health and our lives. And even in school, I wasn't taught about how to even be successful in life. I just taught all this rudimentary metrics, this stuff that really didn't matter, you know? And so I became upset and I was driven through like this passion to change things. And eventually that had to change as well. But for me going through this process and then being dedicated to other people, was a huge turning point for me as well. And it's gonna go into our, our three strategies coming up here. But through that process and why I'm so grateful for the, that that happened to me is life stripped everything from me to help me to develop the qualities, the capacities, the gifts, the talents, the things that I didn't even know were within me to become the man that I was born to be. And there's still more, there's still more to come because it never stops being challenging but you can fall in love with the process and you can embrace the challenge and understand that you can do hard things. You can do difficult things. And a matter of fact, they can start to become so ingrained in who you are that it doesn't really even seem like it's that difficult, right? Because we want comfort. I, I love comfort. But comfort is a killer to success. Comfort is a killer to happiness. And once you're successful, I promise it's comfortable too right? Now, a big part of this change physically was a change mentally. And so one of the things that holds us up in the story that we hang on to, that we don't know we're doing this, is that we believe that we can have the life that we want, we can have the body that we want, the relationship, the finances that we want by being the same person. This is a huge, simple, logical mistake that we make. It's illogical, but it's a logical solution. You can't bring the old you to the new life. You can't bring the old you to the new party. You have to change. But we don't want to do this. Like when we hear this, nobody wants to be told that they need to change. But you don't have to have somebody tell you that. 
You need to know it yourself. I need to change. Today, you need to change. You can't be the same person who you are right now to get to the place that you want to be. And so you can choose change. You can proactively ease yourself into it. You can lean to the discomfort of not being the person you are. But this causes turbulence. When we start to change from the person we are, we start getting hit with resistance. And so, so many of us withdraw, right? A challenge comes up in life, we withdraw right back into our turtle shell, right? We're just in the shell. We've got like cable TV, air condition. We got Uber Eats. So we just stay in, right? You got to poke your head back out, right? You got to get back out. I just just thought about Austin Powers now. See? I've got a turtle head poking out. <laughs> He's like, I got a turtle head poking out. Never mind. Hopefully you don't get that. And uh, anyways, <laughs> so people think that we could... Uh, we could bring the old us to the new party, but it just simply doesn't work like that. It really starts with a change in our, in our mindset, in our beliefs about who we are that elicits the change in our physical results as well. And so with that said, and, and, and thank you for allowing me to share uh, more of my story and thank you for having compassion uh, for me in opening up and sharing this and some of the process and some of the insights and some of my experience, because some of this stuff is really tough. And as I've spoken them out, it's become easier, but I please, I encourage you to share your story. Share your story because somebody needs to hear it. You know, you might not have come from, you know, trials and tribulations and turbulent uh, home and you've gone through other stuff. You know, maybe you failed at something. Maybe you didn't achieve something that you were really set on achieving. Share that because that's what connects us and your story matters. And the more that you become aware of how valuable your story is and, and owning your story, the more power that you're going to have to be able to change it and to write it consciously the way that you want it to be. And so with that said, we're gonna jump into these three tips to break through your limiting beliefs. And the beginning was the very first thing that I did. And this is making upgrades to your, to your environment. That's number one in owning your story and breaking through your limiting beliefs is changing slash upgrading your environment. You will be what you see. You will always be what you see. And this is why it was so difficult for me to break through. And I became the first person in my family to graduate with a four-year degree throughout all of the turbulence. And I'm very grateful for that but it was so much that I had to go through because I simply didn't see it. I didn't see it done from where I came from. But once I got around it and I got in the environment and once I changed and turned my health around after everything was stripped and I changed my perspective about what was possible for me and my future became more clear and I realized that there's something that I'm actually dedicated to that can start to pull me, right? Really, it, it, it pushed me. It pushed me to graduate because I had a reason. I wanted to help people. I wanted to have this degree and I wanted to be educated in health from this prestigious ins institution. And so that urge was pushing me, it was pushing me, but eventually my vision pulled me. My vision pulled me and pulled my life right through that process, right through graduation, right through opening my practice, right through all of it. It's the vision, the vision will pull you. You can continue to push yourself. Situations, circumstances can push you, 
But when you cultivate that vision and you have something bigger than yourself in front of you, it begins to, to pull you. And so part of that was changing my environment, becoming more clear on what that looked like. And so you need to proactively get yourself in the environment of positive, supportive, goal-affirming environments and also create those conditions around you. So the people that you are in conversation with, if you want different results, you need to talk with different people. Okay, this doesn't mean that you forfeit and just not talk to the people that you love. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you don't have the experience and the reference point of what the success looks like in whatever space you're trying to get into, you got to get around it. If you want to have a successful relationship and you've never seen one, you didn't grow up with one, you need to talk to people who have a successful relationship. It is really simple. You will be what you see. Change your environment, upgrade your environment. Start hanging out with people with good relationships. You got drama in yours, you're always hanging out with people with drama in their relationship. That's all you're gonna see. But again, it can be comfortable. It's comfortable talking about the drama. Drama's addictive. It's addictive that we have a primal, primitive part of our brain that loves drama. But if you want to see happy, happiness and success in a relationship, you've got to make it a study. You've got to get around that. And that's like with anything, whether it's success, getting myself uh, successful in my career, financially successful, came from getting myself around people who had those things. That's the only, it literally is, I can't even stress to you how simple it is. It is literally that simple. Get around it. It will literally, you, you cannot help but be influenced by it. But if you don't proactively get around it, sometimes it does take for you to muster up some courage and some resources to get around it, but you can. And for me, it started with, I was learning these different things about health. I was going and hanging out at Wild Oats. Right? I don't know if you remember Wild Oats before Whole Foods bought them up, made them disappear. Right? It's a magic trick. Wild Oats was like a little bit more oaty. I guess, a little bit more wild. And I would go there just hanging out. I'm just reading all these packages and pill bottles and learning about these supplements. And they had the books there and I could read about this thing and that thing. And I was just obsessed. I really just finding out different ways that I could take what I was learning and to help other people because this environment that I was putting myself in was very different. But I didn't know anybody else that was talking about this stuff. And then I was doing some Googling, Dr. Google, became my primary doctor. And so we set appointments and I started researching these things and I came across these like these different health summits with these lecturers, with these different, you know, doctors who were like integrated physicians and things I had never heard of before, right? Like Dr. Bernie Siegel was an early one and he's a part of this like online summit. And this is like 2003, all right? So this is a while back. And then they would have these free summits and then I would buy them as well so I could listen to them over and over and over again. And I put them on in my car. I play them and listen to these lectures over and over, right? We didn't have the iPhone then, which is like, you know, you got all the good, I had the CDs, right? I was burning CDs at my college apartment. So I got all these CDs and also it was limited. There were podcasts were not a thing right? Now you've got access to all infinite amount of information and, and knowledge. And so I would listen to these over and over again. It really, that environment, it changed my environment in my car, became Automobile University, all right? At my apartment, I'm not watching, oh, what was out then? 
Flavor of Love? I don't know. I'm not watching that. I'm learning how to improve my health and how I can help other people to do the same thing. I became obsessed with it. And I just, not to say you can't watch Flavor of Love, okay? It was, okay, I'm not saying that. Is he even, is he okay? I don't know. Anyways, um, it's not to say you don't have those opportunities to, to dabble in that, but if that's what your, your life is revolved around, that's, that's what you're gonna see. You're just gonna see more of that. So get yourself around that physically, mentally, emotionally, every aspect, spiritually, immerse yourself. This is how you really change, break through those limiting beliefs. If you're around those messages long enough, it cannot help but to have an impact on you, especially if you physically get in the presence of it. I, it's the number one thing, number one thing. I promise you, bar nine, there's nothing even close, right? You will be what you see. And so with that said, some action steps to put into place with this every day, every single day, schedule it make time maybe for you it's in the morning for me it's in the morning or maybe it's right before bed or maybe it's for your lunch break or maybe it's when you're in the car to put on something that is affirming of the direction that you want to go in your life every single day every day it, it accumulates right it's, it accumulates what you appreciate appreciates so begin to appreciate that and the other part is physically set a mandate of a certain number of events that you will attend live each year. Put the excuses to the side. I don't have the, you know, the, the support. I don't have the finances, whatever. Find a way, find a way, just like anything in your life that you really, if you really were your backs against the wall, you can find a way, find a way. I promise one of my first events that I went to, this might be the first, no, no, this was the second big event, life-changing event. The Model Health Show came into existence. This was one of the first stepping stones of it happening was getting to this live event. I did not have the money for, like not even close, literally even getting plane tickets. We got standby from a family member who worked for the airlines. And I shared this story on the show back in the day, but we went through a lot of drama. I don't know if you know what standby means, but that means you're standing by you don't get a ticket, you stand by, just in case we got some room. All right, so it was not pretty, it was not pretty. I did what I had to do, we got there, We the, the things happened that needed to happen in that moment, first domino. But it would not have happened if I didn't get out of my comfort zone, change my story that I can't, and get there. All right, so your environment, upgrade your environment, your personal environment. And then there's tactical things as well. Like even, you know, understanding that your outer world is a direct reflection of your inner world, right? Your outer world is a direct reflection of your inner world. And so if there's chaos around you, it's very difficult to have positive, affirming, focused thoughts. It just is. Researchers at Princeton University found that clutter the clutter around you in your personal space can actually make it more difficult to focus on a particular task. Specifically, they found that the visual cortex in your brain can be overwhelmed by task irrelevant objects, making it harder to allocate your attention to complete tasks efficiently. All right. When I was struggling with my health, my apartment reflected that. Man. My car reflected that. I had all these notebooks and papers in my trunk for no reason. 
Just like, oh, yeah, I'll, get, I'll review it someday. N no, you won't, okay? I turn, if I bust a right, you know, I bust a right turn, I hear the papers in the trunk just move to one side, I bust a left, papers move to the other side. Why, Sean? It was not cool. You got to get the stuff, you know, practical stuff, like get your environment fixed up, sort of change, upgrade your physical environment to make it feel more like the person in life that you want to have, right? You can't be like, I want to have this beautiful home and you're not taking care of the one that you have. And this doesn't even mean you, that you need, have to do it yourself. If you got kids, recruit them. They live there, okay? Just saying, okay? I, I got a friend of mine, Katie Wellness Mama. It's her brand, Wellness Mama. Shout out to Katie. She's got five kids. After three, I stopped counting. I'm just being real, okay? But these kids, they're like building furniture. They're cooking meals, doing their own laundry at like four or three years old. Like, we don't think our kids can, you know, like we just think that they're not capable, man. So it's just another story we tell ourselves. Recruit those kiddos, you know, get some help from your, from your, you know, your mom or your mother-in-law, whatever. We have to stop acting like we got everything handled, okay? As well, like recruit and ask for help. People are willing to help, all right? And find a way to give value to them, though, by the way, okay? Don't just be like, hey, can you come help me clean my house, mom? Moms probably do it, but, you know, um, you know, your best friend, okay? Go best friend. It's your best friend. It won't be your best friend no more. It has to come clean your house for nothing, okay? So recruit people. You can, you can pay with your time or your energy as well. I'm sorry, your time your time or your money. You can pay with your time or your money. So maybe you invest uh, $50, $85 a week into, you know, hiring somebody to come in and help with something with the house, you know, whatever. Like you can make, and if that frees you up to do the thing that will make you more money, then there's no need to spend your time doing it if you don't, like, if you're not passionate about it anyways, right? If you're not passionate about dishes. Actually, I've never met anybody who is passionate about dishes. They're just like, you know what? When I grow up, I want to wash dishes. I've never, I've never heard that. I've never been, I've never seen like people walk around and like, hey, what do you want to do when you grow up, little, little boy? I want to wash dishes. I've never seen it. Never seen. You see me look up? I looked up. I want to wash dishes. And I saw a gleam, a glittering, sparkling plate. All right. I've never seen it. But some people might like enjoy it for, you know, maybe it's meditative. I, I, I personally don't not like doing the dishes. We'll put it like that because, you know, I put some music on, you could put on a podcast, you know, we can, we can dance and do the dish. If you follow me on Instagram, you've probably seen it. All right. We would dance while doing the dishes. Okay. I'm at Sean model on Instagram, by the way. So your physical environment itself, clean that ishel up. All right. Clean it up. So your physical environment itself. And another thing that I was thinking about in regards to having a, a, a clutter-free, great environment, just as our living space and or our working space as well, is, again, you don't have to like be like Martha Stewart level, you know, but why is it when I think of Martha Stewart, I immediately think of Snoop Dogg now? I, is, that, is that even okay? Anyways, um, but you don't have to be like that level, but just get your stuff organized and also understanding that, for, and this was in Sleep Smarter, there was a study that was focused on the sleep quality of day shift workers 
found some shocking results when compared to office workers who have direct access to windows at work, those office workers who didn't have access to windows got significantly less exposure to natural light. And as a result, slept an average of 46 minutes less each night. And this sleep deficit resulted in more reported physical ailments, lower vitality, and poor sleep quality. Simply by the environment itself, if you're not getting exposure to natural light and you work during the day, we're not vampires, okay? I think that's how you say vampire in Portuguese. I don't know. I'm guessing. But when you realize that we sun exposure is like, it just even getting natural lights coming in through the room that you're in, it really helps us set your circadian rhythm. And so they found that office workers who were getting adequate natural light exposure tended to be more physically active, happier, and had an overall higher quality of life. So again, optimize your living space, your workspace to promote health, to promote a, a more clear and, and stronger mindset of health, something that's supportive to you know cultivating good thinking Right. And uh, Jesse Isler talked about that when we had him on the show recently. And he's the most, I call him the world's most interesting man. And all the things he's been able to achieve coming from where he's come from, a uh, big part of his approach today with, you know, now he owns part of the, uh, the Atlanta Hawks basketball team. He is a New York Times bestselling author. He's sold his companies, uh, you know, his, his aviation company for like, uh, it was valued at like $5 billion or something. It's crazy. All right, but he just started off as a guy with not the best circumstances, and he was a rapper. He was a he grew up. He's just a young Jewish kid in in the East Coast, and hip hop was coming coming on strong. You know, early '80s, and he just fell in love, right? And to to see where he is now, but every every day, he's thinking about these different things. And one of the things that he's put into play is consciously having time, creating an environment, finding the best environment for him to think. And I'm just going to tell you right now, if you encourage yourself to get your environment a little bit nicer, it's going to help with the thinking. And so speaking of which, an incredible place that has a great culture, the environment itself is just so engaging and, and supportive of, of, of happiness and thought and collaboration. And I just went there in San Diego uh, not too long ago, and it's at Organifi. Those guys, I think it was voted like fourth best place to work or something like that. It was crazy. Like we're talking about nationally. They're located in San Diego. So shout out to those guys. And if you're in the neighborhood, I think they would love to see you if you want to pop by. And I love those guys. You know, Drew Canoli's been on the show a couple of times. And I've seen Drew's story. Man, oh my goodness. We'll put his most recent episode in the show notes. Wow, there's some stuff I didn't know. Wow, so powerful. But the culture there is one of service and one of growth. And it's just such a really great energy to be in. And they've done stuff the right way. They're taking uh, real, whole, organic superfoods and making these concentrates with their green juice formula, their red juice formula, their gold product, and several other things that they now now have in their lines. They're taking these, these products like, you know, wheatgrass and spirulina, chlorella, in low temperature processing them to retain all the nutrients so that you're actually getting all the good stuff you're looking for. And there was a study, this is a peer-reviewed study uh, published in the journal Appetite that found that chlorophyll, which is the reason they put spirulina, chlorella, wheatgrass in there, is just, these are three of the most chlorophyll-rich things in our universe, all right? And they found that chlorophyll can actually aid in weight reduction and 
reduce our urge to eat hyperpalatable foods. So if we're struggling with like cravings and like weird addictions to different foods, getting in more chlorophyll, especially in the form of these superfoods that are super dense in chlorophyll, uh, plus these other vitamins, nutrients, and other capacities that it has, is really one of those powerful things for helping us to modulate our appetite. And also, this was published in the Journal of Endocrinology, found that chlorophyll is able to increase the release of something called glucagon-like peptide 1, which has been found to stimulate the decrease of visceral fat. So that's that organ fat that we call, you know, this quote, belly fat that is really putting a lot of pressure on our organs. And it's the most dangerous type of fat that can help the release of this visceral fat and, and trigger to migrate to our subcutaneous fat, which is right under our skin, which is a much more um, protective, healthier place. But even potentially, if we can get the visceral fat to be released in the first place, it gives us the opportunity to actually get rid of it, period. So super really cool stuff. And uh, again, Organifi's Green Juice is where I get this from and my family as well. Definitely recommend checking them out. If you haven't gotten onto the Organifi train yet, you better get on because it's definitely going places. It's Organifi.com forward slash model. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash model. 20% off everything they carry. Huge, huge fans of those guys. The work culture, the environment, it's definitely a winning one. And uh, they're doing stuff that is just super, just out of this world. So head over, check them out. It's Organifi.com forward slash model. Now let's jump into number two. These are our three tips to break through your limiting beliefs. And number one was to upgrade your environment. There's many different ways to go about that. But number two is to interrupt your pattern, all right? Interrupt your pattern. So this has been something that has been super valuable in my life and also in my, in my practice as a nutritionist and coaching is helping people to interrupt their pattern and even proactively interrupting the pattern for them. And so what does that mean? Well, we tend to have these habitual negative thoughts and uh, Dr. Daniel Amen, who's been on the show as well, put it in the show notes, he calls them ants, automatic negative thoughts, right? A-N-T's, ants. And it's kind of like a record that gets played and we'll tend to have these same habitual negative responses when we have opportunity, when we have positive things start going our way, or even when things are already negative, we have these automatic negative thoughts coming up. And so what tends to happen is, you know, we might be presented with an opportunity to uh, you know, maybe make more money in a different uh, career choice or something like that. I'm just giving, using this as an example and automatically it'll come up of, you know, it's too hard. I don't have the support to do it. I'm taking a big risk. And these negative thoughts, these stories will start popping up. And my encouragement is to interrupt the pattern. And this takes a level of awareness about your thoughts, period. Okay. And so this is why meditation can be so helpful in this and interrupting our pattern and changing our thinking, th changing the record that's playing with these automatic negative thoughts that come up and putting on a different rec record, flipping it over on the B side or whatever and playing more positive affirming things. But you have to be able to catch the thoughts when they come up and that's the work. That's being aware that you have a presence, you have an awareness that is beyond your thoughts. You have an awareness that's listening to all of the thoughts going through your mind. The crazy, sometimes amazing, sometimes just super weird, just sometimes like you should be arrested for thinking that thought. There's a presence that's listening to all of those things going across the movie screen of your mind, right? There's a watcher 
sitting in the seat, watching the thoughts, right? So if you can make that separation and realize that you are not your thoughts and you can start to see them when they come up and then automatic negative thought presenting itself saying, you know, it's a big risk, even though you want big reward, you want this life, you want this lifestyle, but the place you currently are at cannot possibly get you there. And now you're presented with this opportunity. You have everything you need within you to achieve it, but the negative thought comes up. Interrupt your pattern. When it comes up and says that you can't because, you change the language, you change the story. You immediately dissect, cut that piece out, and you add in another idea. You say something different. There's a situation where I had uh, a patient come in and you know he's dealing with all these different health issues, medications. He kind of feels like he maybe shouldn't be on them. And he's got this story that he can't focus, right? He can't focus. He has adult, adult ADD, right? And it's just causing him issues to focus. But what was so interesting is that when I was talking, he was super focused. He can recite back everything that I would share. When he was talking about something that he was interested in, he was like hyper-focused and aware but the story he'd been telling himself is that he can't do it without, it's the medication that helps him. But the truth was, he was able to focus on the things that were really important to him. And so I interrupted the pattern when he was saying that he can't focus. And I literally just interrupted him and said, are you focused right now? And he's like, well, well yeah. I was like, well, you have the capability within you. It's just the story you're telling yourself that you can't focus. You're not broken. Now, of course, there are situations there and I, after doing my assessment and, you know, of course, a lot of times working alongside physicians um, and, and helping these people to be able to eliminate medications, potentially, it's really learning the person. And I knew that this person was carrying the story about what they couldn't achieve because of their past. And he came from a situation, a very volatile situation similar to mine. And so this was one of those ways that he was hanging on to this story that this was why he couldn't be as successful as he wanted to be, all right? So interrupt the pattern when it presents itself and ask, is this true? Is this really true? And be honest, it's hard to be honest, especially when you've got this habitual negativity that you spout about yourself. And so reframing it, interrupt the pattern, insert something more positive. And so now he's one of the most, I mean, he is focused, one of the most focused individuals that I've ever seen. And with his conditions that he has, because he has over three kids as well, which I stopped counting. So many kids. And it, the ability for him to focus and to execute, it's amazing. So amazing. All right. We, again, we have that capacity. We have to interrupt the pattern, change the story, insert a new story. All right. So that's number two. Final one here today. We're going through our three strategies to break through our limiting beliefs. So we hit changing your environment. We hit interrupting pattern. And finally, this one is something that changed everything for me. This is when I went from being self-centered to other-centered. And really understanding that to change, to break through your limiting beliefs, one of the greatest strategies we have is to dedicate yourself to someone else. And now I've got some science to back this up. This might sound crazy, but this is what did it for me and so many other people. It was no longer just about me and my little life. It became about helping as many people as I could to experience what I had experienced and more. 
and to break free from their limitations and their health concerns and to become the person that they wanted to be when their health was the thing that was seemingly holding them back. Okay, it seemed like my health was the thing holding me back, but it wasn't. It was, it was my mind. It was my approach to life itself. And so that became my modus operandi. It became my passion was to help other people to achieve um, the success that I was seeing with my health. And so when my attention shifted, I became more passionate. Like I, I can't, I'm not just learning for myself. I have to learn for them too. And it took on more responsibility and fueled that fire even more. And so there's two ways to go about this and break it through your limiting beliefs. With your relationship, you can literally just choose somebody who you love very much, who's close to you. It could be a significant other. It could be a child. It could be a parent, a grandparent. But beginning to fuel when the limiting beliefs that you're telling yourself really start to embrace imbuing them along with the mission of I have to be better for them. That was an initial trigger for me as well was my grandmother. And using that to your advantage because you're putting it up on the movie screen of your mind. You are consciously putting on the movie you want. And the movie you're choosing is I'm doing this for them too. I can't let them down. And using that as fuel. And even outside of that, just even with people that you know, also others that you might not know and finding a way to serve, right? Service, because here's the thing, whatever limiting thing that we're telling ourselves, things are never so bad that you can't help just one other person. There's always somebody that can be helped by you. There's always somebody who's struggling more than you are. No matter how bad things might be, you always have the capacity to help at least just one other person. And the number one thing that anchors a transformation in breaking through these limiting beliefs, the number one thing that anchors a transformation physically, mentally, spiritually, or the like, is to teach what you have learned. My friend Jim Quick says that when you teach something, you get to learn it twice. Because you are assimilating that information and you're sharing it and you're learning it in a different way, in a way that you communicate and your brain is listening as well. Now two people have that fire, right? We think that sometimes if we teach somebody something we know or give away a secret, we are giving them our fire, right? We're, we're putting our fire out, we're passing our candle over to them in reality, we are holding our own candle and we're simply putting our, our flame over to theirs. And now we have two fires, right? And this is so important because we need to strive to share our time, share your energy, share your knowledge, share your experience, share your story. Share your story in the service of other people. Because again, personal achievements just for you solely will never be enough to sustain your fire. And we've got some health affirming things when it comes to service. And this is a result of a recent study of a large ethnically diverse sample of older adults that showed no association between receiving social support and improving health. However, the study found shockingly that those who gave social support to other people had lower rates of mortality, meaning they weren't dying. They weren't dying as quickly or haphazardly as other folks. These are the folks who gave social support. Also, this was controlling because for me, I immediately think like, what about other factors in their life? This was controlling in the study for their socioeconomic status, education, marital status, gender, age, ethnicity. Giving to other people, being in the service of others was a factor that rose above all these other things. Please get this. It doesn't make sense. But this is speaking to how we are connected, 
all right? And this helps us to break through our limiting beliefs because when you can see it and, and help another person, it really does something for us psychologically and with our hearts to help us to elevate beyond our excuses. Also, this was a recent study from Carnegie Mellon University, which was published in the journal Psychology and Aging and found that adults over age 50 who volunteered on a regular basis were less likely to develop high blood pressure than non-volunteers. And this is being correlated, obviously, high blood pressure with premature death again. And there's a 2012 study, this was in the Journal of Health Psychology, found that participants who volunteered with some regularity lived longer, but, but only if their intentions were truly altruistic. In other words, they had to be volunteering to help others, not to make themselves feel better. That's seva. That's seva. Seva. That is selfless service. Seva. So service and doing something good with that body and that mind and that success that you're wanting to achieve, that's what really takes it to another level. All right, so that incredible body that you're wanting to build and the muscles that you're putting on, go use those muscles and help build houses for habitats for, for humanity. All right, that incredible mind that you're working on and the nootropics you're taking, the brain food, use that beautiful brain that you're developing and go and speak to teachers and faculty members at schools to help them to feel better and optimize their brains so they can help our future generations. Do something with those gifts that you're developing. Make it bigger than you. And it's going to help you to break through those limiting beliefs. So I appreciate you so much for hanging out with me today. And we've said this many times that knowledge is not power. It's potential power. It's taking these things and applying it. And it could just be one of the insights today, one of the tactics, and working on that one thing. Maybe it's just interrupting the pattern. You will find very quickly that that starts to transform your entire life. When you start to interrupt those ants, those automatic negative thoughts, in placing and sliding in these positive affirming thoughts, it starts to change your character. It starts to change the way that you see your life. It starts to change your story, okay? Because if you don't realize that you are the, the, the viewer in the theater watching the movie and you think you are the movie yourself, you're destined to whatever outcomes some random producers put up for your movie. But if you realize that, hey, I'm sitting in the watcher's seat and I could put on the movie that I want, you start to change your entire reality. I hope you got a lot of value out of this episode today. And again, thank you for having compassion uh, for me to be able to share my story. And I want you to please, please be proactive in sharing your story because people need you. They need to hear it. They need to, 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 to connect and to know who you truly are. All right, so start to open up more, start to be more courageous in sharing your experience because it's a big part of you growing and expanding and impacting the lives of other people and truly embracing the mission that you are signed up for here in your life experience. I appreciate you so much and of course, Make sure to share this out with your friends and family on social media. Give them some inspiration for today. You can tag me. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Sean Model and on Facebook at The Model Health Show. And we've got some incredible... Listen, when I tell you incredible guests, I don't think you understand. I don't think you are ready. Are you ready? We've got some incredible guests coming on your way and some powerful, powerful show topics as well. So make sure to be ready. I appreciate you so much. Take care. Have an amazing day. And I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. 
That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.